Welcome to Christian Faith Center Caldwell Campus Podcast. Our prayer is that you are blessed and encouraged by this message. For more information, you can visit experiencecfc.com. God bless. Today we are starting a new um, message series across our campuses called Spirit and Truth. Spirit and Truth. And uh, it's really a series on worshiping God. You know, there are many things that we do uh, as believers or as Christian or Christ followers. Or maybe it's your first time here today and you're, th- and you're looking around thinking, okay, this is what goes on in church. And really this, the, the, um, the desire behind this series is to really dive into the things that we do as believers uh, on a Sunday morning service or throughout life, throughout our daily lives, and why we do it. How many of us know it's important to know why we do what we do, right? And uh, when we know the truth behind something and the way we do something or the way we pray or the way we worship, it actually deepens that experience between us and the Lord, amen? Amen. It deepens that area of our life, and I think that's really important to uh, understand and see. And so I want to I start off with a scripture we find in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there or uh, look up on the screens or open up your phones or tablets. And I'm going to read from John chapter 4, verse 24. And in this passage, um, Jesus is talking to a woman at the well, uh, as the story is known by, and they're talking about worshiping God, and they're talking about worshiping God in a certain location, and Jesus addresses her and, and tells her that a time, a new age has occurred, or a New Testament time has begun, to where if in the Old Testament God's people went to a certain location or a certain mountain to find the presence of God or worship God or bring sacrifices before God, the new uh, time has come, and in verse 24 it says this, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That it's not only at a location now, but because God is spirit, anywhere you go and you call upon, uh, upon the name of the Lord, that becomes your place of worship. Every, anywhere you raise your hands towards heaven and pray to the Lord and worship God, that becomes a place of worship. This means you can be going to do your grocery shopping in Walmart and desire to worship God in an aisle seven. You can have a worship session right there between the, between the Wonder Bread and Friends Bakery. Right there, you can just praise the Lord. I don't know how much I know so much about bread. <laughs> My wife doesn't let me eat that stuff anyway. <laughs> she homemade only. You see, God is spirit, therefore he is everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. He, he can be anywhere and, he, and you can address him and worship him anywhere. And nowadays we have, as a New Testament church, we have fellowships or gatherings that we come together and we worship God in. And that is also biblical because the first church also gathered together in time uh, of prayer and fellowshipping and addressing God in worship. And that's a good thing, but we are not only limited to this location, amen? But something perspires and something happens when we gather together corporately as his body and worship God together. It's a special thing that happens when we worship in spirit 
and in truth. You see, spirit is meaning anywhere at any time, and truth is understanding God's ways, God's precepts and principles. And when we understand why we do what we do, it is that much more deeper of a meaning behind our actions when we worship. So what does um, uh, worship look like today? There are different types of worship we as believers practice. And today I really want to focus on the basics of worship or the mechanics of the way we worship. What we see in this room even this morning. Why we do what we do. Why we shout. Why we jump. Why we clap. Why we raise our hands and why we sing. You know, many of us have come from different backgrounds. Maybe you were from an unchurched background and have never seen any of this. Or maybe you've grown up in a, in a religious background that worshiped God in a different way. And I think it's important to understand that one way maybe is not better than the other way, but there is actually a method to this madness. There is actually a reason why we do what we do. And that's what I want to look at today. Who's excited for that? Come on. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll uh, continue with the, with the message. Father, we come before you right now, and we thank you. I thank you for this group of people that gathered here on this Sunday morning to come and, and encounter your presence, to come and worship you, to come and fellowship, to come and really bow down at your feet. Father, I pray that your message goes forward, God, and just really speaks to our hearts and our inner man. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Hebrews 13, 15, I'm going to read lots of scripture, by the way, today. So have your pens and notes, note taken ready. Hebrews 13, 15, it says this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. You see, the Old Testament, as I already mentioned, it desired the sacrifice of bulls and goats. There were animals that had to die to cover up for the sins of people. Or there were certain things that had to be sacrificed on the altar for, uh, to please God or to worship God with now, in the New Testament economy, he calls us to be the sacrifice. Instead of just sacrificing, he calls us to be the sacrifice. And really, Romans talks about being a living sacrifice to God. So instead of me just doing it once a year and coming to a special place and sacrificing an animal or, 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 or a sheep or a goat, I actually become the living sacrifice. Now, my whole life becomes uh, becomes a sacrifice to God, therefore becoming worship before Him. Amen. You know, I uh, heard a situation between a, a preacher and a worship leader, and you know, a preacher and worship leaders they always argue, and uh, it's good arguing. It's not bad, but uh, the worship leader wants more time in the service, and the preacher wants more time in the service. And so, this preacher and worship leader they're they're uh, arguing, and they're saying, "Well, preaching is more important because the message needs to go forward, and the message is what changes people." And the worship leader is saying, "Well, no, you gotta worship because we gotta be filled with joy, and it's about worshiping God." And um, they went ahead and argued until the until the worship leader told the pastor. He said, "Hey, you know what? When we get to heaven." you're going to be out of a job, and I'm going to continue worshiping up there. 
You see, in heaven, we don't need to preach anymore. Why? Because the, the, the lamb is up there. The word of God is already up there. We're in heaven. We made it. <laughs> and so we're going to continue in worshiping God. So if you don't like singing, start getting used to it. <laughs> because we're going to do a lot of it in heaven. And it won't be boring. It won't be stale. Listen, it's going to be always new, a new song. It's always going to be full of that. I think that's the language of heaven is song. Is singing, is singing praises to God because that's what creation does. It, it can't help itself but to sing glory to God because that's the God that created the uh, them or the creation. You know, and uh, worship is often misunderstood, and worship is not just a culture thing, but it's actually a biblical thing. Worship is not something that we do just in the 21st century, in 2022, in a contemporary service style. But worship is something that the Bible teaches. And I want us to understand this, that reserved worship, stoic worship, very, very calm worship, is actually a cultural, a learned cultural behavior, not a biblical behavior. I'm going to repeat that. Reserved worship, stoic worship, is actually a learned cultural behavior, not a biblical behavior. So it's not necessarily bad, but if we look at scripture, we see actually quite the opposite. We see a worship that's very expressive. We see a worship that's very loud. We see a worship that is really puts your whole mind, body, and soul into worshiping God. And we're going to look at that today, of course, on the basis of the Word of God and uh, really go through that. And really my desire today is not to just get us to go through the motions. And we're a worshiping church. We love to worship God. I mean, you guys saw the worship set today. I was like, whoa, Pastor Paco and Sandra are like 10 feet up in the air, jumping up and down and doing cartwheels. I mean, they are worshiping. You know, it's not about just going through the motions, but it's about getting our heart inclined towards the Lord. Amen? Because God cares about what's in your heart. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with the lips, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So it's not good just to go through the motions of worship if your heart is far from God. But you have to have your heart connect with your mouth in worship to God. Luke 6, 46 says this, for out of the overflow of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, something happens in a person's life when their heart connects with their mouth. And all of a sudden, what's inside here, it, it, it cannot be contained just to my heart, just to my thoughts. It's going to overflow out of my life. And it doesn't only overflow in words, it overflows in deeds. It doesn't only become just, a, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian by what I say, but it becomes my lifestyle, therefore making me a living sacrifice of worship to God. If you agree with that, say amen. Number one is worship is expressing our love to God. Worship is expressing our love to God. You know, as a human being, we're designed and wired to worship God. Generally, women have an easier uh, time of expressing themselves with words. And men, on the other hand, have an easier time of expressing themselves in actions. 
Now, there are some men that maybe are better with words than others, but generally, if we say, if we talk about this, it's easier to do something than to say something for a man than a woman. And fortunately, worship involves both words and actions. And the more we do what we were designed to do, the more you are what you were made to be. The more you are what you're made to be, the more you become what you're made to be as you worship, as you do what you're designed to do. Imagine this, you have an exclusive rare painting by a da Vinci or a Picasso. And that painting was painted centuries ago. And you don't take that painting when discovered and put it in the attic somewhere amongst other belongings that are worthless. You don't do that. You take that painting and you hang it in the museum and you sell it at an auction and you hang it on the wall in the most prized place. Why? It's because the purpose of that painting was to really bring credit or glory to the painter, the creator of that masterpiece. Amen? And imagine this, if we're designed, if we're created as this masterpiece to glorify God, we're not just supposed to sit in the attic and keep our mouths zipped and shut. Listen, we were designed, our original design is to be in a place that would really point people to God and glorify his name. Bring glory to the Father just as a painting wasn't made for its own glory. It was made to really bring credit to the Creator the same way we are made to bring credit to the Father and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. You see, for men, worshiping God is the manliest thing we can actually do. Worshiping God isn't just for women. It's for a man as well. And it makes you more of a man the more you worship. All the men said amen. Come on. And for women, worshiping God is the most beautiful thing you can do. Because it really, it glorifies the Father and it beautifies your character, your personality. And it brings out the best in you. You see, when we serve and give and worship, not because we have to, but because we choose to, we get to express our love to God. Nobody's making me worship. No, when nobody makes you go uh, raise your hands and lift your voice, what you're doing, you're choosing to express your feelings to God. You're choosing to glorify him for what he's done in your life. Imagine two spouses, and this often happens with husbands and wives because husbands ain't so good at maybe using their words. You know, and, and, and imagine if he loves her in his heart but never tells her he loves her. What is that wife going to experience? She's not a mind reader. Well, maybe some of you are. But she's not a mind reader. She's not going to be able to understand. She wants to hear it three times a day. I have to, I have to, three times, I have to, so three times three. So is that, I'm bad at math in public. I have three girls at home, all right? I say I love you all day long. Gosh, every one of them, they want to come up and hug me and say hey, they love me and I love them back. And if I, you dare not say you don't love, whew, you get it. You see, it's a choice that we have to express ourselves to God. You know, worship is broken down in two words, worth and ship. Worth, ship, it's giving God what he is worthy of, the credit. He's worthy of this credit. He created us for his Glory And in our love relationships with God, many of us sometimes struggle with intimacy 
with God, being intimate with him. But what is intimacy? Intimacy is a shared experience, and we have no greater shared experience than when we worship God. When we worship God, there is a deepening in our intimacy that happens with the Lord. I think if you take everything away and strip the ministry down and take everything away from an individual, I think the one thing a a believer can boast in is that they know God. You can take everything away, all the accolades, all the achievements, all the everything, and at the end of the day, the only thing I can boast in is I know Jesus. That's it. That's what it comes down to. And when we worship him, when we pray, when we seek him, when we sing a song, when we declare him, we are actually growing in a shared experience with the Father, with the Lord. You see, as I was preparing for this message, I had this phrase come into my mind, and this is what it said. That this is how it went. God is not looking for us just to be fellowshippers, but God is looking for us to be worshipers in his house. He's not just looking for fellowshippers, he's looking for worshipers. We can come to church three times a week, but if we just come to fellowship, if we just come to hang out, listen, that, that, that's not bringing the point home. The point is to be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. A person that worships God. A person, a person that uh, is after the heart of God. Number two is that the Bible not only gives us permission to outwardly express our worship, it teaches us to do so. I've heard this before. Well, I worship in my heart, Pastor. I worship inside. I'm just a quiet worshiper. <laughs> I'm the attic worshiper, right? <laughs> I don't like to hang on the wall worship. I just like to by myself worship. And that's good. God loves the worship of the heart. God loves that. But every time we see worship addressed in the Bible, there's always word and deed involved. There is always an, an action and a reaction. There is always something said. There is always something done. It's not just something that's isolated, but there's an action involved behind worship. Psalm 35, verse 9 and 10 say this. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be glad because he rescues me. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. I love the psalmist here. With every bone in my body, some of us are missing bones in our body. Some of us are missing legs and arms and ligaments and fingers. I'm missing half a finger. Listen, but every bone in my body, I will praise God. You see, your bones, they've been through some things. They have a history. They've been through some, they've been, they've been um, kept from, from bad, bad decisions and accidents and other things that happen. And that, they want to scream out. They want to praise God. And the psalmist likens that said, hey, my body, I've been in this body the, my whole life. And it's just screaming to praise God. And that's what I'm going to do. Everything within me, every ligament, every cell, every fiber. You see, when your soul loves him, you can't stop your body from praising him. I'm going to say it one more time. When your soul loves him, you can't stop your body from praising him. You can't stop from jumping and shouting. You can't stop from, from uh, saying things to the Lord and clapping your hands. Why? Because you've been through some things. You see, the problem with us is sometimes we judge the external without knowing what the person has went through. And we might look at a person and we might judge the worship, but don't judge my worship because you don't know my testimony. Yeah. 
You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've went through to get here. You don't know how much bones I broke. You don't know how much things I've went through. And God has brought me through and I will worship God. I will be the testimony to him. Imagine if it pleases God for your heart to be inclined to him and worship him. How much more and how much better is it to worship God passionately with your whole being, with every fiber that's in you, with your body, with everything you have, passionate worship. You know, we need to understand that worship is not always about feeling as well. You know, sometimes we come into a midst and we get the goosebumps and we, get, we start jumping up and down and we start saying hallelujah. We start doing these things and that's good. But there are times, and if you haven't had it, you will, that life gives you lemons and life will throw a curveball and you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. You find yourself going through some things. How do you worship in the valley? I'm going to stop here for a moment because I feel like there are even people in this room right now. I got a word for you. God is making worshipers in the valley. God is making a worshiper out of you. When you choose to worship, even when you don't feel goosebumps. When you choose to worship, even when you don't feel like everything's, uh, uh, everything's pink and roses, everything is good, everything is great. When you choose to worship in the middle of your storm, that deepens your experience with God. It deepens your worship with God. And all of a sudden you find yourself declaring the promises of God that you haven't seen come to pass yet. But you're standing on scripture and when you, that's worshiping in spirit and in truth. You're standing on the truth of God and you're declaring his truth. All of a sudden you find those truths start happening in your life. You know why? Because oftentimes there is a, before God moves in miraculous ways, there's a faith step that we need to take. And when we take the faith step and declare and choose to worship God, he comes through every time. He comes through on our behalf. God is making worshipers in the valley. God is developing you. Let's give the Lord a hand. God is developing you. Listen, in the valley sometimes it could be really gruesome. It could be really loud. There's the voice of the enemy will speak in the valley. The voice of the enemy will say all sorts of things into our hearts, into our minds. It tries to take us down. It tries to tell us if we're, we're done with, we're fail, we failed, we've messed up too many times. But listen, some, we come to a church and we come to a corporate setting and we hear loud music and loud singing. And why do we sing loud and why do we worship loud? Well, it's to drain out the enemy's voice in your life. You might be in the valley, you need some loudness. Listen, you might even be in this place and you think, oh, it's too loud in this house. Listen, there's somebody on your road that needs it louder. Because what the, the voice of the enemy is just coming in like a flood in their life. And they're in the valley and they're choosing to worship. They're choosing to worship. Psalm 95 verse 1 and 2 says this. Come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise. Make a joyful noise. Make it, Lord, I see graves, but I know they're going to be gardens. Lord, you're a promise keeper. Lord, I'm going to choose to rejoice because uh, I know who you are in my life. I might not feel it right now, but I'm going to choose to rejoice. Some of us need to tell our heart is rejoicing, but some of us need to tell our face to rejoice. 
Some of us need to sing with a smile. Some of us, I understand we have different seasons in life. But some of us need to be filled with the joy of the Lord and tell our body about it too. In Jesus' name. You got to love him with all your being. Colossians 3.16 says this. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. When you gather together, Apostle Paul is teaching and saying, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Be thankful to the Lord for what he's done. Why? That is your design. You see, it's when we are stepping in to the will of God, we start understanding the will of God for our lives. When we do what he's called us to, we start getting understanding of the, his purpose in our lives. Zephaniah 317 says this, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That is so amazing. Did you guys know that God sings over us? He doesn't only sing somewhere. It's not only his creation singing. He's singing over us with joyful song. Imagine this if God never expressed his love towards us. It's because he chose to express his love towards us, Jesus came. The Bible says the word came from the Father and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. That same word was the son of God, the lamb that was slain on behalf of the whole world. It's because he loved you. It's because he wanted you. It's because he created us and he loved us and he spoke that over our lives. I believe he's speaking over your life today. He loves you. He's saying, I love you. He's saying, I love you the way you are. You might be tattered, broken, bruised up, messed up, coming out of all sorts of things, having baggage, having U-Hauls of baggage behind you. But I love you. I love you and I have a purpose for your life. I love you too much to keep you the same. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to make you into the image of my son in Jesus' mighty name. You see, he sings over us, and he doesn't sing quietly. He sings loudly. He sings loudly over our lives to drain out that voice of the enemy, to drain out all the things that we're in and all the things that we're going through. And he doesn't only sing over us, but he sings with us as well. Did you know that Jesus sang with his disciples? You guys know that? Some of us that, that don't like singing, listen to this. The guy that we look up to, Jesus, he sang. Matthew 26, they have communion. They're going through all this. And 27, uh, verses 27 through 30, verse 30 says this. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. He sang a hymn with his disciples together. They sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, I heard this example of uh, a pastor. Uh, he was in church. And uh, the church that he was pastoring, there was a gentleman that would attend. And um, he, was, he had a speech impediment. And he was a little mentally challenged. And he would always sit in the second row behind the pastor. If I could get the keyboard guy to come up here as well. Thank you, brother. Um, he'd always sit on the second row behind uh, the pastor, and um, 
he would always sing during worship. He wasn't, he wasn't able to get the words out, but he would have grunts and groans that he would just do during worship. And this pastor, he would be sitting there, and this one time he got really fed up with him, and he was thinking, thought to himself, man, why does that guy keep grunting? He can't sing. He just keeps making noises out on the, on the second row right there. And God convicted the pastor and said, hey, if you would only hear how beautiful it sounds on this side. If you would only hear how beautiful the worship is coming up on this side. You see, some of us, we sing out of tune. Actually, most of us, we're out of tune. And the ones that are, on, are in tune are actually up on stage singing. But it's okay. That's why you play the music louder, to drain your voices out. But the beauty that happens and occurs when we worship God from our heart connects with our mouth. And out of this overflow of declaring his promises, something beautiful happens. God is pleased. God is pleased. And he can't help but to just scream even louder, I love you. Every time my kids, they run up to me, my girls, and I'm not making them, and they, they, they try to do some, anytime I feel a little sick or whatever happens, Abby, she's always so sensitive, our older daughter. She'll run up, she's like, Daddy, what, what do you need? Can I bring you some water? Oh, here you go. Hair's all better. Hair's, and she, the other day she gave me her little stuffed animal to sleep with. And then she took it back before she went to bed. <laughs> that melts my heart as a father. I don't mean to get sappy, but I'm just saying. And I just want to say even louder, I love you. I think something of the same sort happens in our lives when we're worshiping God and nobody's making us and we're lifting our hands and we're just saying, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I worship you. You're worthy of it. I believe that God in heaven, he's sitting on the edge of his throne and he just can't help himself and just says, I love you even louder back. And that I love you from him, it it moves away all the storms, all the anxiety, all the depression, all the other situations that you might be facing. And it pierces through to the deepest part of our soul. And it petrifies us. And it captivates us when we worship. The power of worship. There is a deepening that happens, a deeper worship that occurs. There's a shared experience that happens when we worship. You know, when we worship in church, we, we lift our hands. And the Bible actually tells us to lift our hands. Why do we lift our hands? Well, we lift our hands to celebrate. I might not feel like I'm winning, but I'm on the winning side. We know it. We lift our hands in declaration, I'm celebrating, I'm on the winning side. We raise our hands to testify. Lord, I testify of your goodness in my life. I testify for what you've done in my life. I actually believe that, Lord, I testify. In the book of Nehemiah, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 2, Nehemiah, he gets out the book of the law and he's reading it to the assembly. And the Bible says, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Which means, let it be so, let it be so. We agree with this truth. True worshipers, worshiping in spirit and in truth. 
Psalm 134 2. Lift your hands towards the sanctuary and praise the Lord. We raise our hands also to corporately participate. I agree. I participate. I'm agreeing with this message. I agree with this song. And my favorite is we raise our hands in surrender and to receive from the Lord. We know that in the world when the officer pulls someone over is in a chase, he says, freeze, raise your hands. Freeze, raise your hands. When we come before the Lord and we worship him, we lift our hands and say, no one has to tell me freeze, but I lift my hands in surrender. What am I surrendering from? I'm surrendering from living my life the way I think, the way I let, let it before, my sinful way, my own ambitions, and I surrender to your will in my life. I surrender to you in my life, Lord. I worship you. I give you my heart. I give you my mind, and I surrender to you. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. You see, the power of raising your hands is not saying that I've reached it and I've attained it and I'm so perfect and I'm so good, but it's recognizing that I might be broken and I might be wretched and I might have made some mistakes, but I'm worshiping a God that deserves my will, my emotions, everything within me, and I surrender to him. And I might not have arrived, but I'm on my way. I serve a God that will never leave me, never forsake me. I surrender to the Lord. We celebrate, we testify, we bless the Lord. We raise, we lower, we raise our hands again. It's a great workout. That was a little joke. If we don't know how to lift our hands and how to do it, sometimes it's very hard. Listen, that's okay. Follow the worship leaders in front. They're worshiping, they lift our hands. Agree with the truth that you sing. Don't just sing it in your heart, sing it with your lips. Make your body sing it as well. Everything within you will praise the Lord. Lord, I give myself as a living sacrifice to you. And my last point I'm going to make today is that your worship is a witness. Your worship is a witness. You know, Apostle Paul teaches about prophecy. and He says in, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about if you're all prophesying and the unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you're saying. As they listen, their secrets, thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring, God is truly here among you. You know, something happens when we passionately worship God. Another word for prophecy is to proclaim. And there's different uh, prophecies prophetic realms and and when we preach that's a form of prophecy or proclamation when we sing it's a form of proclamation when we witness to God's goodness in our life it's a form of proclamation and what happens is when we don't hold back but passionately proclaim how good God is all of a sudden your test becomes a testimony for the neighbor on your room and all of a sudden, the person that comes in, you don't have to try to persuade them. Why? Because they see the change in your life, that you were once a wretched. You were messed up and broken, and God took this individual that had no hope and filled them with love and joy and peace of the Holy Spirit. 
And all of a sudden, your praise and worship to God becomes a witness to people around you. And I think this is so important. Earlier this year, Pastor Jordan cast a vision about reaching 10 cities and 10,000 decisions for the Lord across all our campuses and expanding and growing. And I believe that that would, will not happen without us setting a worshipful atmosphere in God's house. People need to enter this place and without anyone specifically saying anything to them, they need to sense that the Lord is here. They need to understand that God knows me. They need to understand that God knows their address and their phone number and God's got it and God wants to make a way for their life. Many of us have gotten rocked in that way in the recent years or recent days or months as well. It's because of a worshipful atmosphere. There was a witness spoken over our life. John 4, 23 and 24, last scripture. Yet a time is coming and now has come that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they, for that kind of worshipers, the Father seeks. That's the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Those that are going to declare, those that are going to proclaim, those that are going to set their whole being to worship God. Something happens when we start doing that. I believe the Father looks for worshipers that worship in spirit and truth. Why? Because he wants to bless them and fill them and glorify his name even more so through their lives. He wants to use them for his glory. He wants to fill them. He wants to guide them. He wants to unveil his purpose for our lives in our, in our hearts, through our worship. Something supernatural happens. As we conclude this service, I want to ask this question. Who wants to worship God? I don't know about you, my appetite is just growing with every service to worship God. I want to raise my hands higher than before. I want to clap louder than before. I want to declare his goodness louder than before. Why? There are some things that we go through that will require another level of worship to get through. We're going to need to deepen our, exper our experience with God. Deepen our relationship with God, our intimacy with God. We're going to need to get closer to Him to make it through this next season. There are people in this room right now, you're sitting here, and God's calling you to a closer intimacy with Him. And it will come through worship. It will come when you incline your whole being towards him. And as you surrender your will to his, all of a sudden those battles, those struggles, those things that you go through will become of no effect. The chains will fall off. The, the sickness will be gone. The problem will disappear. Why? It's because he's speaking over your life. He loves you and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. And as we finish this service, I, I want to pray with us. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I need to lift my hands and surrender to God. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I'm not where I should be or I, I, just, need to, I just need to incline. I need to get my whole being after the Lord. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus into your heart, 
Maybe you've never have. And you want to just give your heart to Jesus. Give your will to the Lord. With every head bowed, eye closed, let's go ahead and honor this moment. Just wherever you are, raise your hand and surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, that's me. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I see those hands. I surrender, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. We surrender to you, God. We surrender to you. Why don't you follow me in this prayer, those of you that made this decision right now. And everyone else, let's join in. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Have your way in me. I worship you in this moment by being obedient to your word. In Jesus' name, fill me with your joy and fill me with your love. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Let's go ahead and press in during this time of worship. If you need prayer, we got prayer teams up here. They'll pray for you. Let's just worship our heart out before the Lord.